Welcome to Thrive 9 to 5, a podcast all about how you can kick ass in the office and in life without feeling exhausted or overwhelmed. Each week, I'm sharing simple self-care strategies, mindset hacks, and time management tips so you can get promoted without burning yourself out. My goal is to help you create success without sacrificing your soul or your sanity. I'm your host, Celeste Harrington. Hey, Thrivers. Welcome back. I have another fabulous guest on the podcast. I'm super excited to have these conversations with some of my closest peers and colleagues in the coaching space. This week, we have Natasha on. She is a money mindset coach for women, right? Yeah, Yeah. I coach women and people socialized as women. There we go. The women who need this conversation so much, all about money. Natasha, why don't you introduce yourself to the Thrive community? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. And uh, my name is Natasha Tkesti, and I'm a money mindset coach, as Celeste said. And I coach two types of women or people socialized as women. Women who want to earn more money at work. So they're employees and they want to either apply for a promotion or ask for a raise. And then I coach women who are running their own business and want to make more money in their business. I love that. So you either make more money or you ask for money. Actually, in both situations, you're asking for money, either through your offer or through an authority figure in your workplace. Exactly. There's always some sort of ask or conversation about money happening for sure. And I teach women to feel more confident, I think, in having that conversation and being willing to step up and talk about those things. We had a little chat before this and you said that confidence really is kind of the root of it. And you see a lot of your clients not having the confidence to even ask. And whenever they don't have the confidence, you say they opt themselves out. What does that mean? Yeah, I think when they don't have the confidence in themselves, or they don't see the value in what they have to offer. And I'm not talking about financial value. I just think like, you know, seeing the value that their work contributes to the world, they either just don't have that conversation, they aren't willing to take a risk and ask, negotiate, or, you know, talk about what it is that they want to have. And in their business, I think they opt out of even asking for like a sale, talking to clients about what it is that they offer. And, you know, even asking if people want to work with them or want what they have to offer. Yeah. I think that opting out is such an interesting way to look at it. I always have a lot of sports or exercise analogies just with my like health and exercise background. And so when I think about something that I'm like, I've opted out of, like I'm thinking about like a mountain bike obstacle where I don't have the confidence to go over it. And so I walk over it instead, or I get off my bike and I walk over. I feel like it's kind of like that where you're like, Nope, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to feel this discomfort or like to challenge myself in this moment. So I'm just going to opt out of it. Yeah. I really love that analogy. I think that's so cool. Yeah. It's kind of a fun visual. So how do we go about boosting confidence? I feel like this is like the magic question. I'm like, I don't even know how to answer that right now as I'm asking you that, because obviously it's such a journey in the coaching conversation, like hiring a coach, working on your confidence, working on your mindset, working on your limiting beliefs. But I feel like someone might want to opt out of that whole experience too. Yeah. I think in the work that we do is that our confidence comes from the way that we think and what we believe about ourselves. And so what I work with my clients on is to 
really sell themselves on what they have to offer. Like you need to believe it. You need to love it. You need to already have been bought into whatever it is, whether it's your work as an employee in an organization or your own business. You can't wait for someone else to tell you that they love it and to validate that for you. You need to generate that for yourself. And when you do that, then you show up in a whole different way. I feel like we just end the podcast right there. <laughs> because, right? You do have to sell yourself on it. I was working with a client this week um, and he was struggling with owning his own time. And this is like, like a time conversation. But in the end, it kind of came down to confidence because he wasn't confident that someone wasn't going to question him. Like an authority figure wasn't going to come in and like catch him, air quotes, catch him, <laughs> like doing something else, like going on a walk. Basically, he's worried about getting caught, not working and someone questioning him. And it's like, well, if you had the confidence in like your ability to deliver results and to work, that wouldn't be a problem. Right. And it's just so interesting that that wavering confidence creates so much conflict and it's like internal conflict really, but external results too, where you're not getting paid what you would like to be getting paid or aren't having the relationships at work that you want to be having, right. Walking into the office, like, here's what I'm going to do today. Nobody's going to question it. And I think we're just so worried about what other people think of us that we value that more than what we think of ourselves. Like it is a hundred percent possible that for your client, someone might think that he isn't working because he's out on a walk. Like we know that that could happen and that could be true. Right. But we're so consumed by what other people might think rather than us having our own backs and being like, no, I have the ability to do my work, get it done. And I also can go for a walk and take breaks and like, you know, nourish myself in my mind. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so fascinating. So it's so interesting thinking about what other people think of us. Like, what are some of the things your clients are thinking? I know people who are listening can relate when they're thinking, I want to ask for a promotion or I want to raise my prices if they mm-hmm. are working for themselves and owning their own business. So, what are some limiting beliefs, like themes that you see across your clients? What I think is kind of interesting is sometimes people have a common theme of like indecision or confusion where they're just like, well, I don't know what I want. But as soon as we like dig in a little bit, sometimes it's just below the surface. We like know what we want. We all do know what we want to do. Right. But we just sometimes will indulge in like this story of like, well, I don't know. I don't know. And sometimes what that's really about is we're just worried that someone might not like it. Someone might have a thought about us and then we would have to take on that belief. Like they might think I'm greedy. They might think I'm like too much. I should maybe like keep myself small. I shouldn't take up space in this room or whatever. Yeah. It's so interesting that we hang on to those beliefs that are just keeping us the same, right? Nothing changes, nothing changes. So if we don't change that mindset, of course, not going to change our income or how much money we're making or even our actions to go do those things. It's yeah, really exactly. And like, and I think a lot of the work that we do in coaching is like questioning that belief. Like, is it greedy for you to make more money and for you to want more money? And like, when you opt yourself out, like going back to that word, it's not like what you're doing is you're just taking yourself out of that conversation, out of that position and you're leaving it for other people to make more money. Like you're almost voting for people who don't look like you to have more wealth and for someone who looks like you to not have wealth. And I think about this when I, I coach 
women, people socialized as women and people who have like multiple marginalized identities. And I'm so passionate about, you know, increasing wealth for people who live in communities who don't necessarily have had access to a lot of money. And I think part of the way that we can do that is really by shifting our own beliefs and realizing that it's something that we can do if we want to do like that is available to us. Yeah, certainly. It's a similar conversation I have with my clients about time. Like if mm-hmm. you don't block your time, someone else is going to use your time for you. Like you're going to have a calendar full of meetings. So it's like, if you don't ask for that money, the money's just going to go to somebody else. It's a similar concept. And it's so fascinating because it's like ours to be had. It's ours to be used and spent and protected much like our time is. Yeah. I really love that. It's like, if we don't make the intentional decision for ourselves, whether it's with time or money, someone else is making that decision for us. And then we don't even have a say in that conversation of something that impacts us. Yeah. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, I just think about it like clients for me right now are talking about this. I coach clients who suffer from burnout. Like I just have all these meetings, like you can block your calendar and not be available or you can decline things. Like you have to advocate for yourself. It's kind of the same thing. And like help the healthcare industry, like advocating for your own health and well-being, advocating for your own income and earning capacity and capabilities. It's the same mm-hmm. thing, right? And the money mindset part is part of like your full mental well-being, right? I do like this wheel of wellness. And safety and security is part of that. And finance is part of that, like safety and security slice of the wheel and like stressing out about money and thinking about money impacts the rest of your well-being, certainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then you're just so distracted and consumed by all of these thoughts rather than deciding on purpose what it is that you want and then actually going for it and doing the work to do it. Like, I think that, especially in money conversations, like we know that there are oppressive systems that exist and that we don't live in a meritocracy where like money is fairly distributed amongst all communities. We know that that exists. And there is like work to do on like government and policy levels to create change and more equity for people living in marginalized identities. But even still, there's what I specifically coach on is there's a level of like mindset work that you can do for yourself to decide on purpose how it is that you want to show up. And if you want to, you know, have a conversation about money or if you want to negotiate a raise or, you know, sell to clients or whatever the case may be, that that is a possibility for you. And that's something that like you can do. And it starts with you believing in yourself. It has to start with you thinking that what you have to offer is like worth something. Yeah. Would you agree that that's step one in the negotiating strategy is to start believing in yourself. Totally. Like if you think about a conversation, if you go into a conversation thinking like, Oh, I don't really know. I really need them to prove to me that it's worth it. I need them to validate me and they need to give me this amount because this is what I'm worth. Like you go into that conversation. So like grippy and graspy and like not coming from a clean place. Whereas if you go into a conversation thinking, you know what? I know what I offer. I think that it's valuable. I love what I do and I believe in it. And even if this person doesn't believe in it, even if this person doesn't want to offer me this dollar amount, that's okay because I have choices. I can choose to stay. I can choose to renegotiate again or better sell what it is that I have to offer. I can choose to 
opt out of that work environment. I can choose to start my own business. Like there's so many different possibilities available to you. But when you're so fixated on like convincing one person or having them validate you, then you keep yourself stuck. Oh, certainly. I'm having like flashbacks right now of my own personal negotiation conversations and Mm -hmm. review cycles. And I can think back to the time where it's like, and you can see where personally coaching came into my life because the conversation got so much smoother and I actually ended up getting paid more over time because the belief there was there. Right. And it's so interesting going into a conversation without any coaching on board or any mindset work on board or belief work, whatever someone is practicing, because I feel like there's a tinge of resentment whenever we don't get what we want or it kind of like makes me think like mind reading, like we're expecting our manager, whoever our leadership or authority figure is to like read our mind, to like see everything that we did and to just give us what we think we are worth or what we think we deserve or what we think we earned. It's always like kind of a, like a, I don't want to say like a red flag, but like when clients are saying like, I earned this or I deserve this, it's like, okay, now you're expecting something in return. Yeah. Okay. This is actually so interesting. So just for a bit of context, my background is in HR and I've worked in HR for about a decade. And what was so interesting before I became a coach, I would often see so many women going into performance review conversations, terrified, like in tears, stressed out, anxious, like sick before these conversations and the weeks leading up to these conversations, just like absolutely dreading them. They would leave these conversations and it would turn out that they were doing great at work. They were fine. Of course. No performance issues. They were all like high performers, of course, right? But the amount of anxiety and stress that they had leading up to these conversations didn't ever like measure up with the quality and the level of the work that they produced. It was like such a gap. And so they're not even going into these conversations thinking about like, here's what I've offered the organization. Here's the work that I've put in. Here's what I've done. Look at this. And like selling themselves, talking about themselves confidently. and then even thinking about like what type of increase they want or what that could look like. They're just so consumed by stress and anxiety thinking that they're going to get fired, which is like completely not going to happen at all. Like it's so fascinating. That is so fascinating. It's so funny because I coach a lot of men, right. Who have some language around it. Like I deserve this or I've earned this. Like I've delivered this much value. I should be like a transactional conversation, right? Like this amount of work for this amount of money or whatever it is. So that is so interesting thinking about the consequences that they think might happen because they think they're underperforming mm-hmm. and not even, they're not even able to be able to focus on the finance part of the review. Yes. Like their focus is a hundred percent on like, I've underperformed. I've made all these mistakes. I haven't done all these things, which I mean, there's probably some mistakes because we're all humans and we're imperfect and we don't, you know, we're not magical robots in the work environment. We make mistakes, but they're so zeroed in on focused on that, that they can't see the broader picture of what it is that they do do and how much they contribute and the value of them themselves in their work environment. Wow. Do you think any resentment boils down from that at all? Like resentment to their employer or the like company or culture? That's a really good question. I think maybe like after the fact, but I think it's just, they're so focused on themselves and like for what they've done wrong and how they're like not delivering. 
and like being evaluated by someone else. But this is what I think is so fascinating. So having worked in HR and having like coached managers throughout my career and worked in like recruitment and all these different things, it's like your employer knows that you're not perfect. Your employer knows that you have both strengths and weaknesses. And that is like to be expected. That's like a normal thing that we all have in work environments and workplaces in our lives. But I think that women expect themselves to be perfect and think that they need to be perfect in order to apply for a promotion or in order to ask for more money. Like they have to have no mistakes and they have to be showing up with no weaknesses, even though that's like impossible for all of us. I think that's so genius that your employer knows that you're not perfect. Yeah, for sure. They know it is hired you knowing that you're not perfect. It's so true because when I think about whenever I've interviewed candidates, there's always strengths and weaknesses for every single candidate that you interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every single one of them. And we have those conversations in the interview sometimes. So often employers will say, hey, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses as they relate to this position? Totally. And even more so when you're thinking about an internal candidate who's getting promoted, like we're all aware of each other's strengths and weaknesses in a work environment. We know that. We see that in each other. But like, so why do we expect ourselves to be perfect in order to achieve that next step or try for that next goal that we have for ourselves. Yeah, my mind is blown right now on that <laughs> right now because I'm like, wow, I haven't thought about that. And I keep asking about like resentment because like I'm coming from the burnout space where people are mm-hmm. resenting the workplace. Like that's what's creating the burnout. And adding money to that doesn't really get rid of the resentment, right? You have right. to deal with why you're upset, your own self-worth, validating yourself. So it's kind of an interesting lens that you're coming from that I'm coming to this conversation with because they both have to do with self-worth. Mm-hmm. But the solution and resolutions are different. One person, maybe both are going after money, but it won't necessarily solve the problem. Yeah, exactly. It's like like you're resenting your employer because you're feeling burnt out and you want them to like give you more money or give you more time or whatever. But unless you like clean up that resentment and clean up your thoughts around it, you're just going to still feel resentful at something else. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I know and my mind's blown out too. <laughs> I know. Right. And so it's like, sounds fascinating. So I'm like, yeah, money isn't going to solve that problem. Like I know that as a coach, but also I'm like, wow, but people are also going into review conversations who aren't even thinking about the money part, which is a huge part of a negotiation for yourself. And I guess it's really how you have to think about it, right? You're just negotiating for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you're just advocating for yourself and being like, Hey, this is what I want. Yeah. Like, you're just like speaking truth, I guess, to your desires and what you want in the work environment. But Which we like so hard. So much, we put so much evaluation on it. We're like, Oh my gosh, if I get it, then it means I'm worth it. And then they have all this drama about like, well, now I'm worth this X dollar amount that I've just gotten. So now I have to work even harder and be even more perfect to like prove that I've deserved it. Or if I don't get it, then they don't see my worth and they yes. don't appreciate me. It's like a lose-lose either way. I know. I'm like holding my tongue. Like, I'm like, yes, this is exactly it. It's like, I was going to ask you earlier on, like, do you see clients who are really scared of that success? Because now they have to like have bigger shoes to fill or they're like worried they're going to become a different person or they are going to fail even more, even though they're not even really failing. <laughs> it's like it's exactly that, right? Because then they have those like perfectionist tendencies and standards on themselves, but they're like, 
well, now I'm making more money. So I clearly have to be even more perfect to be able to justify it. So it's like, to me, it comes back to if you don't believe in it, if you don't believe in what you have to offer, then you're always going to be trying to look for some sort of way to justify it and to like make it okay. So fascinating. Right. And Mm. so do you have your clients track their wins? I have my clients track their wins, like Like their victories. Yeah. We we have like a victory thread on our Slack channel. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It helps the whole self-worth, self-validating, like confidence, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You just start to bring awareness to, you know, where you are showing up and like celebrating that and taking time to notice it because our brains are like wired to notice the negative. We've like programmed them to see everything that's going wrong. And so it's actually so helpful for us to start to look for everything that's going right. Everything that's like, you know, the ways that we are showing up and doing the work that we want to be doing. Totally. Yeah. And it's so fascinating because we still want to look at the really big things. Like some things just are too small for us to celebrate. And there really is no such thing at all. And it really just helps build our own belief and build our own story and our own narrative about about our own worth. So we can have that conversation like, no, I am this worthy human being who is advocating for myself out of love for myself. Not necessarily like I'm worth this dollar amount, right? Where I'm thinking like the resentful employee who's like not going to have a successful conversation because they're coming from a place of resentment versus like the place of self-love because you've built yourself up. Yeah, exactly. Like you as a human are 100% worthy all the time. Inherently, you have worth. You are 100% worthy. There's nothing in the world that can ever change that about you and who you are and how you exist. So there's like your inherent personal worth. And then there's like a financial conversation, but oftentimes we conflate the two and we think that our worth is measured by this dollar amount. So either we need to like justify being paid that dollar amount because we think it's too much and we're like a secretly an imposter, or we need to be paid that dollar amount because our current dollar amount isn't enough to validate our worth. But like they're two separate things. They are. So, okay. Besides mindset work, Right. That's your foundation to the negotiation conversation. Like step number one, work on your self-confidence and your mindset Mm -hmm. and the narrative. What would you say is step two? I think so interesting. I think it's like ask. Like you don't get something if you don't ask. Yes. Right? (laughs) So much of us are just so in our own heads. And it's like you said, we think other people are mind readers and that they're thinking about us and that they know what's happening for us. Like Everyone is in their own brain drama. Yes. In their own lives. No one's thinking about you. Exactly. Actually ask. Set aside that time, have a conversation. I mean, schedule that conversation with your supervisor, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's like outside of a performance review cycle, but muster up the courage to ask and know that asking is probably going to feel terrible. Probably going to feel like death. It's not supposed to feel good. Right. And like, it's just a practice and that's okay. But like, allow yourself to be with the discomfort of asking. Yeah. And practice, right. You can totally practice that conversation with a coach or a peer or your partner or whatever, a family member, just like practicing that conversation. And it's so funny because it never goes away. I kind of want to share this like personal story, but I want to see who it is. So a family member in my circle who is like very much nearing retirement, like in their sixties, called 
my partner to ask about negotiation strategies. Like this doesn't go away. Like, and mm-hmm. this is like a male too, like not wanting to negotiate for like a different vesting cycle. Right. And it's like, it never goes away. Yeah. You're always going to have the mind drama year after year or a different promotion or different opportunity or a new job comes for like advocating for yourself. It's not really ever going to be easy. It's always going to be uncomfortable yeah. because you're going not really against, but you're kind of like rejecting what someone else is offering you. And well, it's like, you're always asking for the next thing. So it's something you haven't maybe necessarily achieved yet, or it's like a place that you're not in. I love that. It's like, we expect it to be easy. We are like, oh, this should feel good. <laughs> yeah. so good. I'm advocating for myself, like right? walking into the room, like all powerful, yes. like, yeah. But it's always just going to feel terrible and the terribleness of it never goes away. So what if we can just accept that as part of it and still go through with it? Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so good. Like, I'm going to feel like shit about this, but in the end, I knew that I advocated for myself and it gets easier, right? Like, I mean, you learn from each one, just like anything that you're building your confidence in every step, you learn something new about yourself and you get better out of practice and all of those things. But yeah, I think the ask, that's like the most important part, right? Do some mindset foundational work, get to a place where you can like actually ask. And, and you know, what I did learn from one of my most recent coaches is you don't have to be in a hundred percent belief. Either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's when you like, so think important. it has to feel good. You're like, yeah. right. We're like, okay, I'll wait till I like a hundred percent feel good <laughs> all the time. I'm like a hundred percent believing in myself. No, that's like another version of our perfectionism coming out. Totally. <laughs> Imagine to be 100% confident to even have this conversation. I know, like way to hold ourselves back. And okay, so what happens if someone gets told like a big fat no? Yeah, well, I think that just like anything in life, I mean, we can't control what happens. So what we can control is our response, our reaction, and what we want to do next. It's like you've been told a no. Cool. That's information that you now have that you wouldn't have had had you not had that conversation. So now you know the answer is a no. What do you want to do with that information? Do you want to stay? Do you want to have a conversation again and really focus and practice on the way that you communicate the value and, you know, maybe shift how you've communicated that? Do you want to leave? Do you want to apply for a different job? Like you always have choices. Mm -hmm. So it just, what do you want to do now that you know? And it's better to know than to just sit in that uncertainty of like, well, they should, but should I not? I don't know. Like that's just wasting your time. Certainly. I love having the, the conversation of the flip side of the mindset work. Like I was coaching a client who there was layoffs happening at their company. I was like, okay, let's just like pretend you got laid off. Like now Mm. what? And it helped so much because she actually ended up getting laid off while she was on vacation. And then she's like, it didn't even bother me because we had already done all the work. Like I already knew what emotions to expect. I already knew what thoughts were going to come through my mind and it didn't bother my vacation at all. And I think we were talking earlier about like the resiliency, like that's part of like building the resiliency is like expecting the emotional response, like being prepared for it and just allowing it to happen. And being okay with it because you already have a plan. You're like, okay, I don't have to have an emotional breakdown because I already like process my emotions from like our practice layoff conversation that we had. And like, it worked out for our benefit. I mean, to be honest, it was insane. She ended up getting rehired back in like a higher leadership role at the same company. It was wild. But yeah, it's like, how can you prepare yourself? I think it's like 
allowing for all possibilities to happen. We know that a no is a possibility, just like a yes is a possibility. Sometimes I think we're like, oh, it has to go this certain way. But if we like let go of attachment to the results and know that anything could happen and that we always get to decide what we want to make it mean. And that also like hearing no and failing along the way is like literally the journey and the process and the steps. Like it will happen. We know that it's going to happen at some point in time. So then what do you want to do with it? Do you want to make it mean that you shouldn't have tried and that you're a failure and that you'll never do this again? Or do you want to make it mean that, you know, you're on your own journey and you're learning and practicing and this is the steps for you to develop into whatever that next level looks like for you? Yeah, certainly. It's just part of becoming the next level of you, whatever that is, right? As a leader or a business owner, I mean, you either get the goal or the lesson you needed, right? Yeah. And it's like, that's where the believing in yourself kind of comes in too. It's like, even if they say no, you don't have to make it mean that you're not good at your job or that you are a failure or whatever that negative story is. You can still decide to believe that what you have to offer is valuable and is worth sharing. And now you get to decide how you want to go about doing that. Yeah. Because because sometimes the no has nothing to do with us. Yeah. It literally has nothing to do with us. It's like the other person. And if we think about it, sometimes there's like budget cuts, like some some employees can't get salary increases. There's budget cuts. We're like sometimes in a recession, employers are downsizing, there's layoffs happening, like all sorts of things that literally have nothing to do with you as an employee could be happening in an organization. Yeah, certainly. So why are we making that mean anything about us? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's always the question, right? (laughs) <laughs> so now we're having budget cuts and now I'm a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> okay. These aren't correlated at all. Yeah. So fascinating. Okay. So what else besides mindset and the ask, is there anything else that you would share with someone who is like prepping to have a negotiation conversation or advocate for themselves to make more money? Okay. This is an interesting one. I don't know if this will resonate with everyone, but I kind of love this. Sometimes when I'm doing something that will feel a little bit scary, I just decide in advance that it was already amazing. So I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to spend time like questioning or stressing out about it. I'm just going to decide that however the conversation went, it was like amazing. I showed up in the best way that I could show up. They were showing up in the best way they could show up. I'm just going to like love on myself for being brave enough to have that conversation. And I'm just going to decide that I was already amazing. And that gives me so much peace and calm before an incident or an event that I feel scared about. So I don't know if that will resonate with everyone, but if that does resonate for you, just try it out and see how that works. Cause then you don't have to get so caught up in worrying about what the outcome will look like when you have, it hasn't even happened yet. So like fascinating. That. Yeah. Cause it's the complete opposite of what we normally do is like focusing on how terrible this is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, I already decided it's going to be amazing. Now, what are the steps for it to be amazing? And that's what I'm like focusing on and putting my energy towards it. This doesn't mean that I'm going to for sure get a yes. It doesn't mean that I can control the outcome. And even if the outcome is a no, I can still decide it was amazing because that was like so brave of me to show up and to ask for something and to show up in a way that I hadn't before. Yeah. This is something that I've been telling myself lately is like, this is just so perfect for me. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. This is just so perfect for me. Mm -hmm. Like it just works. (laughs) Like it's working out. It's perfect. It's great. You know? And it's not like in a way of like, sprinkling glitter on a bad situation. It's just like, no, like I'm learning or I'm gaining something else and it's working out. 
Yeah. I don't know if this always resonates with everyone because there's always people who'll be like, well, this fucking situation sucked. And you're like, yeah, maybe that should suck. I don't want to be like, that was perfect. But I still always get to decide what I want to make it mean. And I still always have the power to decide what I want to do next. It's like the belief I practice sometimes is that the universe is always working for me. Even situations that happen that I would have preferred that they didn't happen in my life, even things that, you know, I don't really like feel happy about. I'm just like, you know what? I have learned and grown as a human as a result of that. And that is really what I'm proud of, like my resilient nature as a human on this earth. And so I totally see how that is really beneficial sometimes. Well, and like to apply it to money, you can't really put a price on that. Mm -hmm. You know? Like you just can't having the ability to think that way or think anything about any particular situation or circumstance, like it's invaluable. I think so. I mean, I don't think I want anyone putting a money, a dollar sign on that. I think it's like one of the most beautiful skills and capabilities that we have. Yes, exactly. I love that. You're like, I'd never want to put a dollar of value on that. There's no way it's immeasurable. Like my freedom to decide on purpose and choose what I want to believe about myself and the circumstances of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you ever want to put a value on that? Right. It is a gift that we have as humans to always get to decide. It doesn't mean we always want to feel happy or we always want to feel excited or joyful, but to decide on purpose, how we want to believe and how we want to think about things. It is such a beautiful gift. Yeah. And it reminds you too, that it's so much more control than you think. Yeah. Oftentimes I think, and I do this all the time. My clients do this. It's like, we think that it's so black and white and we only have like choice A or choice B. But as soon as we dig into it a little bit, there's all these other choices that we always have. I mean, there's consequences to choices. There's things maybe we don't want to do for certain reasons, but you know, we have a million choices. We always get to decide what it is that we want to do. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's gold. I mean, it really is like, you mm-hmm. always have a choice. I love that so much too, for my like burnout clients is like, you have a choice if you want to work till 2am or not. <laughs> like no one's telling you to do that. Maybe you think they are, but they probably aren't. <laughs> and you have a choice whether or not you go to this meeting, you have a choice whether or not you do this work, you have a choice whether or not you show up at work today, like you always have a choice. Always. And telling it's like telling ourselves that we don't have a choice and we just have to like succumb to whatever the circumstance is, is like one of the least empowering things we can do. It just strips us of our power and our resilient nature in any situation. Certainly. Yeah. And the word that came to mind as you were speaking was like powerlessness, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You just feel so hopeless because you're like, what's the point now? I don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. I just have to accept this awful thing. <laughs> totally. That's a great way to advocate for yourself is thinking you have zero control over anything in your life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is like such a fun conversation. I'm yeah, so glad that you came on and talked all about this because so many people need to hear this. I mean, especially women and especially folks in marginalized communities, like certainly. And it's more than just advocating for yourself. Like you have to sell yourself to yourself first to do yeah. any of that. Yeah, I agree. I think this is just such powerful work. And I'm just out here, like, I just want more women to be talking about money and just being willing to like step up and engage in these maybe uncomfortable conversations and dialogues. I think it helps us all grow and it kind of shifts the world that we live in when we're willing to 
to have these maybe uncomfortable dialogues. I mean, I love talking about money. I love talking about money mindset. This is why this is my specific area of coaching. I think it's so important for the world. And I really am deeply passionate about women and people in marginalized identity increasing their wealth. I just think that's such powerful, deep work in the world. Yeah. So have more conversations about money. I'm so happy to be here and talk about that. Yeah, always. Because imagine the difference of like these people right now, like anyone, that's what I'm saying, like the world walking into conversations who aren't advocating for themselves, who aren't confident, but imagine the world where it's a complete opposite. Everyone's super confident. Everyone's feeling really powerful. Everyone's advocating for themselves. Like it's a completely different world we're living in. (laughs) Totally. Right. Like literally 180 or whatever is so different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's happening. These conversations is what makes that happen, right? So yeah, I agree. Well, how can people find you, Natasha? How can everyone listening to this connect with you? Yeah, for sure. So you can find me on my website, which is just natashatakesti.com. And spell your, um, spell your last name. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll spell my first name. <laughs> N-A-T-A-S-H-A-T-E-K-E-S-T-E.com. You find I'll me put there. it in the show notes. Yeah, sure. of course. It'll be in the show notes. I know I have a tricky last name to spell. And then you can also find me on Instagram as well. And my handle is just my first and last name. So Natasha Dekesi. Actually, it's kind of funny. I just realized your last name is the same as my first name, except for the T and the K. It's to be, it could be a C and an L and it spells Celeste. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just looking at you. How do we not so see funny. that? Yeah. That is so <laughs> wild. Totally. How fun. Yeah, all the ease. Yeah, <laughs> just our yeah, that's so fascinating. That's, I love that's that. Okay, okay, so Instagram website, I'll drop in the show notes below too, so there'll be clickable links so you can get to her really quick. Natasha's dropping some really great stuff on her Instagram right now. And you just dropped a blog on your website too. Yeah, I just started a blog, so that's up and running. That's awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll link to all the goodness too. So thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate this conversation and I think it was invaluable. No dollar sign can we put on this. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun to be here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining this week on Thrive 9 to 5. If this episode hit home for you, because I know it did, join Thrive Weekly, a newsletter for people just like you who are looking to do success differently. The link to subscribe is in the show notes below. You can also follow along on Instagram at Celeste double underscore Harrington. And as always subscribe to the thrive nine to five podcast. So you can stay up to date as new episodes drop each week. I'll talk to you next time.